Hey everyone, welcome to episode 58 of No Meat Athlete Radio. This is Matt Fraser, joined by Doug Hay, and we've got another exciting episode. That's right. <laughs> Couldn't be more excited to be here with you, Matt. This is going to be fun. Yeah, I know. we got a nice snow day, we mm-hmm. got some cookies from my wife, and we're set to go. We actually got snowed out of our last podcast, uh, or iced out, I guess, of our last... That's this, right. we're, we're a few days late on this episode. This is probably, what, 10 days since our last one, which is a little long for us these days, and... Uh, that reason actually is because of ice. We we you could not make it here, so no, nope. we have a valid excuse. Couldn't safely get out get out of the driveway. Although I did throw in the yak tracks and uh, go for a run yesterday. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. so you could do that, but you couldn't. <laughs> well, I wasn't going to run all the way over here. <laughs> gotcha. So anyway, um, we I'm excited about this episode. This is a this is a topic that uh, is is interesting to me for not because it's about parenting because it's I don't I don't want to do a parenting. Uh, podcast just because so many people aren't parents who listen to us i don't think but it's about it's kind of based on a blog post that i wrote a while ago called three reasons why i'll teach my kids to run marathons and uh as it turns out i mean they're yes they're they're good reasons why i'd like my children to run marathons one day (laughs) but they're they're more sort of affirming for anyone who does marathons i think you'll recognize uh some of these things in in your own reasons for doing them yourself so uh, before we get into that, we should mention that we've gotten a lot of really good reviews on iTunes recently. Yeah. So thank you very much, everyone who's been doing that. They really do help us a lot, and uh, they help the show get suggested to people when they search for things that are relevant to uh, to them and, and are related to No Meat Athlete Radio. So we really appreciate it. Please, if you haven't done that yet, uh, go to iTunes and give us a nice rating and review because it really helps us. Yeah, it's kind of one of those things that it's silly that we're – we have to follow iTunes' rules, but <laughs> if there's one thing that a podcaster wants, it is a review and a subscription in iTunes. So thanks, guys, for doing that, and we'll get back to reading uh, names out over th- at the next episode. Yes. All right, uh, and then we've also got a giveaway at the end of this one, which I don't want to quite spoil yet, but uh, if you listen, you might be able to guess what, what it's going to be. Um, anyway, let's let's jump into it. Uh, the 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 topic is is the reasons why I'll teach my kids to run marathons and I think this I think to some people they would see this people who aren't runners especially and would say well that's that's extreme and that's silly like how can you expect anyone to to do those sorts of things and uh, you know honestly I wouldn't I wouldn't be that disappointed if my kids decided they didn't like <laughs> running and just didn't didn't want to do that that's that's totally fine but when I was at the fruit festival this summer Mike Arnstein in a talk said that he wanted each of his kids, I think he has three of them. I might be wrong about that. But he wanted each of his kids to run a 100-miler one day. A 100-miler? <laughs> yeah, oh, okay. which I thought was, was pretty insane. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Like, yes, that is a whole entirely different level from marathoning requires more years, really, of, of putting in mileage for most people. But one thing, I mean, I I feel like the difference between my first marathon and my first 100, they weren't that different in terms of how hard it was to finish, mm. right? I mean, like, for, I don't know, from mile 18 on in that first marathon, it, it just seemed like an eternity that was remaining, and it felt like an eternity that took... I, I honestly, I tell you about this a lot, that I don't think that was any harder, or the, the 100 was any harder than that, like, for me to do. It was it was just as hard doing that first marathon. 
Wow. Don't have that experience? Well, I mean, I, I mean, for me, it took me four and a half hours for my first marathon and 32 hours to run my first 100 miler. So we're talking about, you know, a big, big time difference there. Uh, so that was certainly harder. But I don't know. I mean, mentally, though, I mean, I had a very, very low point during my first marathon. Mm-hmm. That was very hard to finish that. And, then, and for the first half of your 100, at least, you're you're running at an extremely comfortable pace. You have to be. I mean, it, it can't even be unpleasant, right? Or you're right. not going to finish. Oh, yeah. No, that's... that's so, a... you're right. It takes way longer, but it's it's just you're outside moving for way longer, not necessarily mm-hmm. struggling. So, anyway, that's not the point. is isn't to argue about that. <laughs> but... Uh, I don't know. I mean, accomplishing a marathon, a marathon is no no small deal to get that done. That's no. a, that's a serious thing, and uh, I I think it is somewhat extreme to want children to do that. And I could see why people on on outside of running and who haven't done that sort of thing would say, "Well, that's that's silly. Why would you try to get your kids to do that?" Um, but I think I want to talk about why I think it's it's good for a lot of reasons that that really have nothing to do with running itself, but but more for what they teach you and what what it means to get a marathon done and all the training that goes into it, uh, what what that does for you and what that means about the type of person that you were being during that, that training period and during the race itself. Yes. So um, let's talk about those. So the first one that I had uh, is basically what I did when I when I talked about these was talk say what – what is it about parenting that you're supposed to? Because I've read a few different parenting books and things like that. <laughs> uh, not too many of them, really. But <laughs> when you know, they, there are certain things you're supposed to do. And then I just noticed that running kind of brings out a lot of these. So the first one that you're supposed to praise practice rather than innate ability. And what what this means is that if you have a kid, I know there's a lot of temptation to tell the the kid that they are really good or really smart or really creative or really strong or whatever just all these things that that are basically saying you're getting praised because you have this characteristic that was born into you basically right mm-hmm. right and it turns out that that's not nearly as as good as as praising the ability that uh, sorry praising the ability of the child to sort of persevere and and to practice and get better to develop their does that make sense? It does make sense. And it also is so clear now why Holden has such low self-esteem. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, because I just no. drill into him that he's terrible at everything. <laughs> just kidding. Um, no, but I mean, the idea is that like, if you if you tell a child that that they are the incredibly smart mm-hmm. and just gifted for their for their brains and their ability to think, that it, whether that's true or not, at, at some point in their life, they're going to run into somebody who is, who, at least who they perceive as smarter or a situation where they don't feel smart and then suddenly it's it's like this this thing that they've been leaning on their whole life is the support is taken away for mm-hmm. because it's like wow maybe you know i thought i could rely on this thing and now it's not necessarily there. but if it's if if what's taught is that you have the ability to get better at whatever it is and and you're particularly good at uh sticking with something and and improving at it that's that's kind of a much more stable belief. Like it's something that it doesn't, you know. If if they have suddenly start questioning whether they're smart, well then they they know they can read and study and do whatever and mm-hmm. get smarter because they're they're good at persevering. Right. So I think I'm I'm probably not saying that as succinctly and clearly as as possible, but hopefully people get the idea. Yeah. Well, how does that? So I have you know I have my own experiences, but how does that relate back to marathon training? So for me, 
I just I know that running is running is is one sport that I thought I was particularly bad at as a kid. Mm-hmm. Like that I was just particularly ill suited for. I was never good at, at a mile run in gym. I did I, I think it was like eight minute mile, a normal average probably middle of the back person. Mm-hmm. But I hated it. I just I dreaded doing that every single day. Or every every year that we had to do it in gym class <laughs> one day. I hated yeah. that day. Uh-huh. Um and, and I've found as an adult once I got into running that it was just it was amazing the way that this sport to me demonstrated how much you could you could learn to become a runner. Like there are a lot of people now who would say that I'm a good runner because I have run a bunch of marathons, did a hundred miler, regardless of where I stand in in the you know among all runners. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people say, well, that's amazing that you could run a marathon, let alone a hundred, let alone qualify for Boston. So to me, it's it's just this amazing demonstration that here's this thing that I was terrible at hated at least right right and that just through hours and hours of practicing at it got better at it and mm-hmm. and to me that's like that's anything good that i've accomplished at running has been entirely because of that practice not because of any ability to do it you know i don't have a good body type for it i'm not i don't i don't think i have a good vo2 max naturally or anything none, none of those good skills i'll never be a sure. miler under five minutes so just i don't know to me that's that's what it has done it just taught me that like there are a lot of things seemingly that are you're not that good at but but that you can you can just get better at like if you just put in the amount of hours that you put into running where you're focusing on one thing doing one thing that you you know you can get better at it that <laughs> very simple i mean there's not i guess i'm trying to uh talk about it in too much detail almost like it's i think it's very simple that that's what that's what running yeah no i agree <laughs> okay. yeah so i don't know but i mean what do you think what's you say with your experience in, in marathoning and everything. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I mean, I think something very similar, but and this kind of talk, this kind of goes into some of the other points that we that we are going to discuss a little later on. But you know, I think both of us signed up for our first marathons without a whole lot of running experience, and we jumped right in. Um, which is so really the practice for me became came after that after. I had failed, you know, not miserably or anything, but it was much harder than I expected. And I had to then kind of reinvent how I was training and how I was running and reinvent myself as a runner to get better at it and put in the mm-hmm. in the practice there so that I could actually run a marathon comfortably and then eventually run ultra marathons, um, you know, at more comfortably and stronger than I did that first marathon. Right. Right. And another thing that I just kind of thought of is that like running is one of those things where it's, it's, it's kind of almost the opposite of what we're trying to say here, which I don't want to try to confuse the point, but like people who are top runners aren't top runners because they've worked so hard at it. They, I mean, that's certainly a part of it, mm. but running it also is, is probably one of the sports that, that most favors genetics right like i mean you you are never going to be a champion marathoner if you're not born with exactly what you need to do that right and then you work really hard on top of that right so i think for me it's also been that as a sport like when i was a kid i know when i played golf in high school and i i had these dreams of being a a pro golfer Mm -hmm. and like any other kid wanted to be a pro baseball player all these things that were the thinking was if you if you work hard at this or just like that you can you can become the greatest you can become the best at this mm-hmm. running has been one of those things where f- from the very beginning i knew that i would never ever be that that was never ever the hope of i want to run 
for as a pro runner or something like that. Right. It's been this exercise in how how can I get the most out of myself? You know, the most I have some limit to my ability here. How can I get as close to that as I possibly can? And and I think that that's a really interesting point. But or not but I guess and um <laughs> in that really develops after high school or college after cuz when when I was a runner in high school, right? My first my freshman and sophomore year I ran cross country. And at that point it was competitive. I wasn't I mean no one thought I was going to or no one thought anybody on my team was going to win the New York Marathon. Um but we were all racing as a team. We were racing and competing against other people. So since I was not a very good runner and at the back of my pack at the back of the pack I was pulling the team back and that was discouraging. That was I was being defeated. But now after since I'm not competing with a team and I'm not competing in these races, um, you know, now it's more seeing how far I can go or breaking a PR, that kind of thing. Um, I'm pushing my limits in a different way, and I and I'm and I get gratification in a different way because I know I'm not going to win the race, mm-hmm. but if I can break my PR or if I can run this distance I've never done before or, or beat this course, then that is a victory, and that's um, you know that's a self esteem booster kind of thing. Yeah. So this this could almost be a separate one here, and it's not one of the other ones that I listed when I wrote this blog post, but just the idea that it's not. I don't want to say it's not about competing with others because sometimes it is about competing with others. Right. But that that there's something uh, really special about finding something, whether it's running or not, where where the entire thing you're competing against is yourself and mm-hmm. your own ability, and and you know what your benchmark is, and you know what you can do, and you want to see if you can break that, and you don't care what anyone else in the entire race or or whatever activity you're doing, you don't care at all how they do. It doesn't matter. Like if I if you qualified for Boston and that was your huge goal in a race, but you happen to finish in last place in that race it wouldn't matter at all because you're only there competing with yourself to see if you can Mm -hmm. finish this or beat this time or whatever and i think that's that's a kind of a neat thing like i think and that's that's somewhat unique to running i mean it's not of course completely unique to running but all team sports you know you don't have that right um but you know i guess triathlon and other 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 plenty of other things that are like that but your traditional sports when you were growing up baseball soccer football you know, they're all competitive sports right, against someone else. Yeah, yeah. So that's that was the first one we listed. The second one I actually think is a lot more interesting uh, and one that that hopefully will be a little bit clearer because I, I don't know for sure that that one is super clear, but maybe it is. <laughs> um, and that was this is encourage persistence and the ability to postpone gratification because really this aside from the very last point that I'll mention in a minute. Uh, this is what I think running really, really teaches you. Like that, that, and this is something that most kids don't have, especially nowadays. I think just with with the way that it, it's almost a cliche to talk about now how, how instant gratification the world has become uh, mm-hmm. with technology and everything else. That to have an activity that that is totally about the opposite of that, where it's like you're you were going, you know, going into this, going to an ultra marathon or a marathon there's going to be a part where you really want to stop. And and the point isn't to to not feel that pain. That's not that no one and Seth Godin here mentioned this exact example to me and I'll mention more about him in a second. But he he makes the point he has a new book out called What to Do When It's Your Turn. I actually wrote this blog post that we're talking about when I was up at his office in New York for a week over the summer, this great opportunity to go up there with 14 other people kind of doing stuff like me. And we got to be there for a whole week with him working on our stuff. 
But he made this point there and in this new book that I think he said no one in the New York Marathon who who goes there goes in with the goal of it of it not hurting or expecting it not to be hard, not to get tired during the race. That's not the point. He said the people who who finish the race, they're the ones who are good. They basically have a place in their mind where they put the tired. So like the ones who are good, the ones who actually finish and don't quit, they they can get to the point where you're tired and where you really want to stop and they can say, "Okay, I I recognize that this urge is there. I I see that I feel like stopping right now." But I'm not going to indulge that. I'm going to put it aside, and I'm going to keep going and do what I have to do. And then later on, I can indulge that tired by stopping. And I thought that was just a really neat point, and one that I hadn't really thought of that much. That it, that it's running is you know you know when you go out to do an ultra or a marathon, there are no hopes of I'm I'm never I'm not going to feel tired today. I'm just going to have a great day, and I don't feel tired because if you felt that way, you would speed up, right? Because okay. you're trying to get your best time. So it uh-huh. it requires you to go through this period where you feel sometimes terrible. And uh, I think I think that's a tremendous skill to have for kids. Mm-hmm. It's not just that I think it is. There's there's a famous marshmallow study, and I don't remember the the source or who did it, but it was this amazing predictor, basically, of how kids would do, how they would turn out in their life in terms of success and all these different measures. Right. Um, and what the predictor was was they would get put in a room with a marshmallow for a few minutes. And the the person studying them would leave the room, even though the, of course would still be observing them through a mirror or whatever. Uh, and and the question would be like, if you can not eat this marshmallow for five minutes or ten minutes or whatever until someone comes back in, then you can have two marshmallows. And the, it turned out that the people who the, the kids who were able to do it ended up being just remarkably better in in lots of statistically significant ways later in their life just by the ability to postpone gratification, basically. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a really important thing for kids to learn, one that is probably increasingly hard to teach nowadays or increasingly rare, at least, to have opportunities to do this. There's so many situations that are otherwise. Uh, I mean, if you, if you have a kid who's playing on an iPhone or playing on a tablet, you'll see I've observed exactly this. Or <laughs> got, my dad gave us his old tablet and... Uh, I mean, I loved video games as a kid, so we—I I was excited to have Holden start playing them. But I've realized how much more they're built to be addictive now. Like, like they were addictive for me then. Now people know all about how to make them addictive and how to put it in all these different rewards and opportunities what? to spend real money. And we actually had a hundred dollar charge through to the Google Play Store somehow. That they somehow that Holden yeah charged? somehow he bought hundred dollars or something. <laughs> I don't know what it was, but uh, we called and they they got it removed. And then we knew how to then we figured out how to change the settings on the thing so that you can't do that anymore. Oh, that's funny. But anyway, the games are are just masterfully designed to make you addicted to them. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's and he'll he goes like in the morning when he plays that thing for an hour, he'll download twenty games from the Play Store each morning that he does this. He'll just he'll find one, play it for a minute. Then say, okay, done with that one. Go find this new one and download it and then play it again. And just, I mean, it doesn't doesn't stick with any of them. Just one after another. Instant gratification of a new surprise, new new experience, whatever. So I think that's becoming more and more important, that people actually are able to delay this thing because everything around us is training us not to really need to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. And the other part of that marshmallow study, I think it might have actually read this in Seth's book, um, was that... And for kids who grew up in families where there were a lot of broken promises and things like that, um, they would immediately eat the marshmallow because they didn't. They assumed that the second marshmallow would never come. And uh. um, and what I think that that shows is that this is something that is learned and taught, and it takes you know practice to learn how to 
delay gratification and, and really right. that's another good point that it's not something that is just baked into a kid or not right that that either you have this skill or you don't it's something that you can actually mm-hmm. learn and i mean the advantages besides we haven't really said what the advantages are i mean other than that kids turn out better for having been born with or acquired this ability to postpone gratification but i think as an adult regardless of whether this is being taught to a kid or this is something that I love about running because it teaches me on a regular basis to be patient and to to struggle um, and to handle that struggle. And that through because of that struggle, great things will happen. You know, I'll be able to do things I didn't think I could do before. Or um, you know, I'm reminded of you know how how beneficial struggle can be. So you know, I think that that's that's something that I'm teaching myself now as an adult over and over again through running. Um, so. Yeah, it's certainly good for I, kids. Absolutely, but, yeah. and I think I think ultra marathoning in particular, at least since I've had have started doing it, um, I, I just have noticed some of the things that people say that you know are obvious parallels, like that that you could sit there and work for twelve or sixteen hours if you wanted, and and I think, I mean, I haven't I haven't had a tough life in terms of working and having to <laughs> having to to struggle, and I, I don't know what hard manual outdoor labor is all day, but I've <laughs> I've noticed. Uh, that personally I've improved at my ability to sit there and endure something, even if it has to do with work or whatever, uh, or reading mm-hmm. a book, if I just want to plow through a book that I can get myself to do that because I've kind of trained it specifically in, by, in mainly in running, like running is, is the, the way in which I have trained that mechanism. And I think it sounds like you've done the same thing. Yeah. Like we said with ultras, I mean, your, your point of the whole day is to go out there and, and see if you can finish this distance. So basically the whole point of the exercise, like there's no, I don't know. There's no innate thing about getting from one place to somewhere else 50 miles later, right? There, there's no and innate... usually it's the same place. You're <laughs> right. yeah, exactly, which is a perfect example or demonstration of this point. <laughs> there's nothing special about that. The only special thing about it is that you managed to do it. So basically that you managed to postpone gratification, mm-hmm. that you were able to get through the point where you really wanted to quit. And, keep, and that's the entire point of the exercise is, is can you keep going long past you feel like when the point when you feel like quitting? Right. So... It teaches exactly this, not just ultra marathons, of course. As I said, for me, the first marathon was was that same thing, and so was every training run leading up to it. Like the first mm-hmm. time I had to do a nine mile run, right? Exactly the same. It felt like quitting after six miles, but you can't. You have to keep keep pushing through it if you want to get this thing done. Mm-hmm. Uh, the on a somewhat stepping back just a little bit, the whole process of training for a race is that same thing. You get to a point where it's not really the novelty is worn off. You know, of of I'm training for a marathon, and you're you're 14 weeks into this program and your race is, might be still six weeks off. And it's like, I, when can I just be done with this thing? But you persist and you keep doing going. So it's not just in the moment while you're running, but, uh, I don't know. I think, I think we've, we've made that one pretty clear. Yep. So finally the last one. Oh, and by the way, Seth Godin, I should mention this. Um, he, while we were there, he recorded, so we were there for five days each morning. He would spend, I don't know, half an hour kind of talking to us with a tape recorder on, giving us kind of a little mini lecture about something, uh, which turned out to be a lot of the exact same themes as are in the new book, What to Do When It's Your Turn. Uh, that that audio is now available. It just came out a couple weeks ago, and it's in the Sounds True store. And I, I don't get any affiliate commission or anything for this, but it's just, it's a very, especially cool for me to have because it's like a memento of when we were there, and you can hear people laughing, and I guess I can hear myself laughing at some <laughs> point. I haven't specifically said, hey, that's me, but I, you can hear a, a 15 people laughing and one of them is me. 
Uh, so anyway, it's really cool. It's called Leap First, and it's it's the recording that he did, did while we were there. I think it's only like a couple hours long, not a long, not like an audiobook, but more like a lecture. It's only seven bucks right now, fifty percent off at uh, the Sounds True Audio Store. So that is at SoundsTrue.com. If you go there and just search for Seth Godin or search for Leap First, you will find it. Cool. Um, so yeah, so that's that. Uh, I would I would highly recommend it just because it was awesome being there and just cool things about about. I don't know. Let me see. The topics there are some of them. Uh, would we miss you if you were gone? Is your goal to be better or safer? This might not work. Dealing with rejection. You don't need great tools. How to dance with no. You know, I mean, all these themes about doing great stuff, even when it's hard. Exactly what we're talking about. In fact, in this exact audio program, he probably has a the part about mentioning where you put the tired and the, the marathon runners. Hmm. And so, the marshmallow? I don't know, but I think he probably did mention that when we were there because I wrote this post like literally after hearing him talk one day. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, I would not be able to surprise. I just got it yesterday, so I haven't heard the whole thing. But anyway, that's there. Highly recommended. Last one is that running helps to encourage the ability to question anything labeled impossible. So I said that the last one was kind of like my big reason for running. But I think this one is just a little bit more my reason for running. <laughs> uh, it's it's that you, I mean, what running has taught me is that there are things that when you think about them, they, it just seems impossible. Like, and on some level of your gut, it seems like, I remember the first time I ever heard that people ran a hundred miles and probably when I was a kid, the first time I heard people run 26 miles, I thought it was someone said something wrong or I read something wrong. I thought, it, I didn't think people could actually do that. I thought it was not, you know, cause I had think maybe I'd run a marathon then and it just seemed wrong because I knew how I felt after a marathon. I thought, how could anyone possibly do four of those things? Right. So in that moment, 100 miles was impossible to me. It, it was a typo or something that was wrong. And then I gradually learned more about it, learned that people did it. And it was still, I don't know, probably 12 years from that point until I actually did one myself. But when I did, then it was like, you know, this thing that had not that long ago, a couple of years, 10, probably even seven years ago, it was impossible to me that here I was having just done it. And not, not just in that moment when you actually finish it, which is, of course, a very special moment, but uh, just in general, going forward, you've, you now carry with you this proof, this knowledge, the metal, whatever, that here is a concrete example of something seeming impossible. I've now proven to myself that it's not. Mm-hmm. And I think that is a really special thing to teach kids. Not Maybe not so much for, I don't know, the well-being. I think the previous point is probably... Uh, more of a well-being for the general population you know learning that that the ability to persist and postpone gratification i think that's a valuable thing to know i think the ability to to question anything that is thought to be impossible is you know what is kind of required of of this tiny tiny percentage of people in the world who end up doing some huge massive changing the world for the better right right so this is not a tip that is going to help every kid i don't think but I think I think this ability is one that is kind of uh, a prerequisite, basically, for doing anything truly great eventually. So I, I gotta kind of disagree with you a little bit. I think that you know, while every kid isn't going to cure AIDS or go to the moon for the first time, um, you, there every kid has their own impossibilities, and everyone everyone in life faces their own impossibilities. And uh, that's you know, true. So to have the to under, have the understanding that you could run 26 miles after thinking that that was probably impossible. Mm-hmm. 
you know, will hopefully give you get you over a financial hurdle, hurdle or uh, a hurdle in your education or at work or something like that. Yeah, I think you're right about that. I, when I wrote this one, I was I was more thinking of like I I would love. I mean, I I personally want to do really great things. You know, that are like that I can look back at when I'm older and be like, yes, I did that incredible thing. And and that's what I want for my kids too. Like more than anything, I would like them to grow up and be somebody really special. And I feel like you have to have this ability to to question what other people consider to be impossible but uh but you're absolutely right like that that is something that maybe especially for people who are kind of just less fortunate and people who don't maybe aren't born with the opportunities that uh that i, I was lucky to be born with and that my kids are lucky to be born with uh that, that that you're right they're impossible it might be a lot different from someone else's impossible and it's just as important that they can can learn to overcome mm-hmm. it. so that's a good point yeah but i think that is that's a really great um really great aspect of running and and it you know it just every every time you've reached your impossible a, no, a new impossible opens up right sure. you know you after you ran the marathon it was 100 miles that was the next impossible and now that you've run 100 miles it's 100 miles under 24 hours or whatever it is that you know that that didn't seem um or that you didn't even consider before until you reached that impossible and that that of course translate and outside of running as well but um yeah i yeah. love i love that part about running yeah to me that's that is it i mean that's that's the the fun of doing a new race and one of the reasons that since i've done the 100 i haven't yet like i haven't gotten back into running in any kind of you know serious manner uh is because that like that was my big impossible thing and now certainly i can think of more things that seem impossible like if you know running in 116 hours to me seems pretty darn impossible right uh I haven't found the one that's like in the right sweet spot where like, yes, it seems impossible, but I can somehow just barely imagine like, <laughs> what if, like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Whereas, and I haven't found the one yet that's exciting. So, I mean, to me, that's, that's entirely what I really get from running is, is that it, it's fun to demonstrate to myself that what I thought was impossible actually isn't if you're willing to right. work hard enough. And, uh, and that's what I'm kind of looking for now in, in whatever my next goal will be. So that is it. Uh, I mean, I think, like I said, there, those are things that, don't just apply to kids at all. They're they're wonderful things I think to instill in children. Uh, people may disagree with that. I don't. I don't. Honestly, I'm not that well versed at all in the parenting stuff. I read like two books about parenting, and that's that's partly on purpose. I don't want to be a parenting book junkie who just reads parenting books because mm-hmm. that that's its own problem. I'm looking at your 2015 reading list, which is up on the wall right now, and there's I don't know. Uh, 50 books up there and <laughs> no parenting <laughs> no books. You know, I, I, that's funny. I, <laughs> I have a couple parenting books on my list. I just didn't put them up there. I guess they're not high priorities. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, what kind of dad would I be if that was all I did was read parenting books and then had no my own experiences or my own interesting books to share with my son except for like, here's a tip we should do, son, from this book. Uh, you know, I'm with you. I'm yeah. with you. No, but I, I don't think they're a bad thing. But I think, I think the fact that you can go to Barnes & Noble and there's an entire... 10 shelves of them is a bad thing but that's neither here nor there anyway uh so that's that's that speaking of books great segue doug that's our <laughs> giveaway today uh this this what to do when it's your turn book of seth godin seth godin's has nothing to do with with running or vegetarian or veganism other than that mention of of the new york marathon and uh and finding a place to, where to put the tired but uh, i am in the book he put our group in there he put a big picture of us over two pages and mentioned each of us and kind of what we were doing, which was, I mean, amazing. Seth Godin to me is, has been, uh, I don't know, a mentor from a distance, someone who I had never connected with really, uh, and then and then recently has become an actual actual mentor, which is incredible to me. He's to me he's like a superhero in this 
world of doing stuff for yourself. It used to, he used to be all about marketing and things like that, uh, taught things that were probably not tactical, but certainly strategic. And in the past, I don't know, six years has shifted to more like personal development, really writing about how do you, how do you deal with fear? Uh, I mean, the book is called what to do when it's your turn and it's always your turn. That's the extended title of it. So it's, it's about going out and doing things. But anyway, he, uh, he's not selling it in bookstores. Maybe eventually it'll be on Amazon, but right now it's only through his site. I think it's your turn. Link is the URL. If you actually wanted to go order it. Uh, but he's kind of all into doing something that's different, like having this book spread through sharing. So what he did was, first of all, he encouraged people to order multiple copies, which I did because I found I was in it. I was like, oh, I'll buy eight of those and give them <laughs> out to everybody. Uh, but then he sent more than you actually ordered. So I oh, ended really? up getting like, I don't know, 13 of them or something. Yeah, which is no, why you got one because you weren't on the original eight list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that's not true. But I, but I did get like 13 of them. Wow. And, uh, and uh, I don't know. I'm, he's He says it's, it's working. And then what happens is that after the first week or so, he kept seeing increasing sales each day rather than decreasing as is typical after a book release you see this little diminishing returns each day uh but instead he was seeing the exact opposite and i'm sure that didn't go on forever obviously but anyway it's all about sharing and spreading the good word so what i wanted to do with this episode was give away a book one of the copies i probably only have four left now but one of them i'm going to give away so all you've got to do if you want to uh win that is leave a comment on this podcast post if you would on your way to doing that, also swing by iTunes and leave us a review and rating there. That would be awesome. Uh, you don't have to say that, but it will probably help you with karma points if you if you just do it. Anyway, uh, it won't affect your chances of winning, but but who knows? Maybe it does. So anyway, I will randomly select a winner from the comments, uh, let's say, next Monday, which is uh, – I have no idea what the date's going to be next Monday. February 23rd, I think. Anyway. Monday in early February 20s is uh, <laughs> is when I'll draw the winner and put it in the comment section of that post. The URL, by the way, will be nomadathlete.com slash radio dash 58 because this is the 58th episode that we've done. So go there, nomadathlete.com slash radio dash 58. Leave any kind of nice comment and you will be entered in the random drawing to win a copy of What to Do When It's Your Turn. And uh, I'll send it out to the winner shortly thereafter. Matt, I know what your next impossible goal should be. Okay. We need to make this podcast the number one ranked podcast in iTunes. Like of all the podcasts. Of all the podcasts. To beat all the mass immediate mass market stuff. Everyone, yep. Mm, see that's in that space of impossible that's like <laughs> run a hundred miles. Okay, well maybe help help podcasts. <laughs> but yeah, we can only do it we can only do it with our listeners' support. That's true. Don't you see? They can well, all help you achieve we, your impossible let's, goal. Let's save that for a special date when we're putting all our energy into doing that. Okay. I'm not saying that, that we couldn't do that, but I, we sort of had our best chance. Wait, when podcasts first come out, it seems, or like when we first announced this podcast, we got up to, I don't think we ever got number one. We were up to number two and three or something mm-hmm. right there next to Jillian Michaels and somebody else. Uh, since then, it has been harder to get up that. Because yeah. like in that, when we first announced it, then you get all these new downloads and ratings and reviews and all mm. this stuff happens at once. Uh, not unlike getting a book to do really well on Amazon or wherever. I mean, it's it just, you right. put all this energy behind it. Anyway, uh, so I'm not going to say that's impossible. I, sh- I shouldn't have that attitude. But uh, we'll, we'll wait till we have a concerted effort, and we'll, we'll try to do that one. <laughs> okay, good enough. Uh, enter to win that book if you'd like, and uh, hope you like this episode. This is, I guess, perhaps a little little different topic than what we usually talk about, but 
I, I like this stuff. And don't forget to call in your questions to the Nomad Athlete Radio Hotline. Yes. Which is 951-NOMEAT1 or 951-666-3281. And we appreciate everyone who's called in so far and look forward to hearing from you. Yeah, do that. If you ask a question, somebody recently left this one and they said really nice things. Uh, but we didn't play it on the air just because there was no question. But uh, we really appreciate the nice words. So you're welcome yeah. also to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you do ask a question, we will probably play your question on the air and then answer it. So if you want to if you want to hear yourself here, that's all you have to do. Sorry. All right. Good episode, Doug. Hope you make it home safely in the snow. Uh, and I hope everyone uh, else does the same, assuming it's snowing while you're listening to this episode. <laughs> okay. See you, everyone. Thank you. Bye.